Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Nasreen. And I'm Manali. Nasreen, I had the worst weekend. I got this huge nail in my tire, so I had to get all my tires replaced. They were so expensive. Well, part of what you paid for was actually to have the tires collected and recycled properly. Oh, that's good. I always wondered what they did with all the used up tires. Good thing that's what we're talking about today. This is episode 15, Tire Recycling, From Treads to Shreds. Okay, Nisreen, I know that tires are made of rubber, but what is rubber? But what is life? Life is kind of like rubber. Sometimes it's hard, but it bounces back. But this isn't a philosophy podcast. Back to the material at hand. And the material at hand is rubber. So rubber is an elastomer, and an elastomer is a viscoelastic polymer. What does that even mean? These are materials that can be stretched a lot, but will go back to their original form. Oh yeah, rubber bands can be stretched a whole bunch. And a bouncy ball, too. Yep, and in fact, that's sort of what rubber started as. Ancient civilizations in Mexico and Central America knew about rubber a long time ago. That's right. I read that the Aztecs and Mayans used rubber from trees. Rubber can be made from natural latex that is a milky sap found in some trees and plants. Is that the goo that comes out when I stab trees? Why are you stabbing trees? You're supposed to hug them. Okay, it was like one time and it was on accident. It was more like I stabbed my bike into a tree in the middle of the Amazonian rainforest and weird white goop got out on me. What? Oh, yeah, Britney Spears and I were on a bike trip through Brazil. Wait, this might have been a dream, actually. Hashtag free Britney. She would want this. Okay, let's, let's get back to the material. The Aztecs mixed the weird white latex sap with juice from another plant in order to make rubber. The ratio of these two materials determined how bouncy the final product was. The Aztecs used this stuff to make rubber balls and sandals, but they had to tweak the formulation quite a bit. Latex by itself, in its original sappy form, can be quite sticky and makes a big mess sometimes. In fact, rubber was found to have two very serious disadvantages. It becomes soft and sticky when warm, because it is really a viscous liquid, and it becomes hard when cold, because it crystallizes slowly below about 5 degrees Celsius. That sounds hard to work with, and probably wouldn't be very useful for tires. No, that's why rubber tires didn't come about till way later. In 1839, Charles Goodyear accidentally discovered that heat and sulfur altered the consistency of rubber, and it could make much more durable stuff, like tires. This process is known as vulcanization. It makes rubber stronger, more flexible, and more resistant to heat. Wait, are you saying Spock made tires? Yeah, yes, definitely. How else would these tires live long and prosper without vulcanization? Whoa, that's really cool. Or hot, I guess I should say. Anyway, after this discovery, Goodyear started to manufacture bicycle tires, horseless carriage tires, horseshoe pads, and other rubberized parts like the first tubeless tires.
Wait, but what exactly does the vulcanization process do? So imagine the latex polymer, as in the goo that comes out of trees, has long chains of carbons and hydrogens. These are floating around together and are in the weird, sappy liquid form. Right, and then when you introduce sulfur atoms to this liquidy goop, that allows the goop to bind together through cross-linking. Yeah, so cross-linking is the way that parallel chains of latex or tree sap can actually just get bonded together. And so the heating secures these linkages together, these bonds? Yeah. So these bonds get secured when it's heated, and it makes the rubber strong and protects against the polymers breaking apart. So we've got this rubber material, but how does it become a tire? Well, before we get to the tire part, you actually have to blend stuff in with the rubber. Wait, why? So, well, with rubber being a polymer, it's still relatively soft and pliable and needs to hold up against all of the elements on the road. Yeah, I have noticed that my tires heat up when I'm driving a lot, especially in those hot summer months. Exactly. So even with vulcanization, a process that makes the rubber stronger, if we use just rubber, it wouldn't have the wear resistance or strength to withstand all the heat and friction that gets created when rubber hits the road, literally. So you have to mix in minerals like carbon black or silica like sand to make the tire stronger and more heat and wear resistant. That's right. So then these minerals and some other chemicals are blended together to get the final rubber composite material. Then this blended material gets turned into rubber sheets. At the manufacturing site, these, these big machines take the sheets of rubber and they make a layer of it on the inside. This is basically the inner tube that can then be inflated later. And then more rubber is layered on top. Yeah, but first they put some steel or polyester plies, which add strength. And then on top of that, you get the final layer of rubber, which eventually has treads on them so your car can get friction on the roads. So none of this is heated yet? So it's only after the whole tire is made and put together that it gets put into a kiln. First, the kiln inflates the inner tube and the whole tire gets pressed against the mold, giving the fancy tread marks and usually the tire company logo on the outside. And then it's heated? Yeah, to over 300 degrees Fahrenheit, and that's when the vulcanization process starts. This takes around 12 to 15 minutes. That's kind of fast. Yeah, Spock wasn't messing around. But this is typically only for passenger tires. Large semi-tires can take up to a whole day to vulcanize and cure just because of how big they are. Interesting. Okay, but... We are talking about recycling this stuff. Wouldn't it be hard to recycle because it's so strongly bonded and then you have all these different layers and materials? Yeah, actually, it is kind of hard to recycle, but that does not mean it's impossible. Okay, so say I need to replace my car tires. What do I do with the old ones? Where do I even take them? Actually, usually it tire shop changes your tires for you. At least for me, anyway. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, that's true. Me, me neither. So the tire shops usually charge a tire tax or tire recycling fee to dispose of these tires for you. Oh, and then someone collects the tires from the shop? 
Yeah. There are state-funded tire recycling programs that collect these and bring them to recycling facilities. One such company is Liberty Tire. They'll pick up scrap tires and bring them to their processing plants to turn the rubber into usable products. So what does this process look like? There are two different methods. One is ambient shredding, and the other is a cryogenic process. The shredding uses knives to chop up the tires into small pieces like basically rubber crumbs that can be used for things like making astroturf fields. Knives? Are you saying people are just stabbing these tires? That's what they're called. Interlocking knives. Blades, essentially. Okay, okay. So then these crumbs get added to asphalt for road mixtures and can be added to blends to make new materials, like new tires. There's also a wet process that grinds the tires down to even smaller particles for specialized uses. And the cryogenic process uses liquid nitrogen to freeze the tires, and then the tires are hammered to be shattered since they behave like a glass at such cold temperatures. Wouldn't using liquid nitrogen be more expensive? Yeah, but this produces more uniform and smoother rubber particles than just the chopping method, so sometimes it's preferred. I also imagine that the chopping can produce lots of heat and that the cold version wouldn't. Right. And this way, the yield is higher and the crumbs are better. These crumbs can again be used for new materials or as playground flooring, etc. What about the other stuff in tires? You said there's steel or polyester strengtheners? Yeah, these can also get recycled. The steel beams are given to steel mills for recycling and reuse, and the plastic is also given to plastic recyclers. How does the steel get separated out? Usually magnets are used throughout the shredding or hammering process to screen out all the steel bits and send those to the steel mills. Are these the only ways to recycle tires? No, there are some new technologies also coming out, not just in tire recycling, but also in using more sustainable rubber for tires altogether. We'll talk about these in the interview that's coming in our next episode. I wonder what items I own that are made of recycled tires. Do you have a tire swing? I used to, but that's just reusing a tire. That's true. Recycled rubber is often used for surgical gloves. You use those, right? Unfortunately, all of the gloves we use in the lab are nitrile, not latex. Okay, well, do you have a garden hose? I live in a lame apartment. Okay, how about a welcome mat? I have one of those. Perfect. I bet my welcome mat is made of recycled rubber. Okay, let's go with that because I'm definitely running out of examples. (laughs) Awesome. I'm saving so many tires from landfills. I actually think it probably only takes one tire to make your welcome mat. Maybe two. These are unofficial estimates. (laughs) That's true. But did you know that there used to be millions of tires in landfills? In fact, even in 2015, there was estimated to be over 65 million tires in landfills around the world. That's terrible. That's so many. They pose so many health risks, like leaching of toxins into the soil and groundwater, and also just taking up so much space. Right, and tires also trap methane gases in landfills, which creates this bubbling effect. This bubbling effect damages landfill liners that have been installed to help keep the landfill contaminants from polluting local surface and groundwater. 
That's why 38 different states ban tires from being put into landfills. That's because they're tired of not recycling tires. That's so true. Also, tires can be incinerated to produce fuel. They're basically 75% rubber, which is very high carbon content, and the Environmental Protection Agency has done studies to determine how much tire-derived fuel, or TDF, can be used in a combustion facility, and even up to 20% tire fuel doesn't cause harmful emissions. Well, it looks like the state governments already took some initiatives to make sure tires avoid landfill and are recycled. What else can our listeners do to make this even better? If you've got an idea for a company to recycle tires, the Environmental Protection Agency provides small business research grants that can help fund such a venture. You can also make sure that at the end of the life of your tires, they get taken away by a company that is appropriately recycling them. Yeah, ask your mechanic who they send their tires to. Or call places like Liberty Tire Recycling or Shred Tech that will come and pick up your tires. There's also M&M Waste in Atlanta that recycles tires too. We interviewed them in episode 5 about aluminum recycling, but that's not all they do. Besides that, make sure you're maintaining the correct tire pressure in your car so they don't wear as fast. And you can always try public transport and walk places so you have fewer tires on the road to get rid of eventually. Manali, these boots were made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. Join us next time for an interview with Tom Rosenmeyer from Silpera Technologies on making more sustainable and eco-friendly tires. This episode was written and edited by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TGTM Podcast. And email any questions and comments to talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>